Hey team, quick announcement and then I'll get into today's topic. I've heard from some of you who haven't been able to keep up with the new episodes every other week, sometimes stumbling into an old episode and really liking it, or even feeling behind. And I definitely don't want to create that feeling. I don't want to just be pumping out content for the sake of it. Um, So I'm going to be taking a break. I don't know for exactly how long, but I want to give you a chance to digest the first 25 episodes, maybe share them and discuss with someone. But whatever you want to do with them, I don't want to just be running off with a train of thousands of episodes that you can't keep up with. So there it is. I'll take a break. During this time, I will be thinking on what has worked and what hasn't, um, future episode ideas, guest ideas, new formats. So it'll be a good chance to kind of consider the future. And if you want to help me with that process, if you have any ideas or episodes you've really liked or didn't connect with as much, you can go to findmovement.com slash podcast and record a voicemail with your feedback. If you'd rather do it in another way, you can find me somewhere else by email, Instagram, the contact page on my site. I'm sure you will be able to find me. So today's topic, I'm going to go over practice structures, three different structures that I've used myself and sometimes with clients. And for each one, I'll use an example. So for the first, I'll use juggling, the second, climbing, and the third, handstands. I hope you find this super actionable and can apply it to your practice, whatever that might be. Structure is something we all have different relationships with. So I'm not here to tell you that these are the right structures and you definitely need to fit yourself into them. You'll find what works for you, I'm sure. My idea behind these structures is to incentivize spending our energy wisely. So for me and for several clients, these have worked to basically encourage us to work in a good level of difficulty. So when we practice things that are too easy, we don't see progress. But when we practice things that are too hard, we often run into frustration and sometimes burnout. So these are different ways to encourage ourselves to work at the right level of difficulty with the right amount of energy. Number one is called 555. If you've learned to juggle from me, you've likely experienced this. I'm going to explain it very broadly, and then I'll give the specific juggling example. So in short, we have these three different fives, and they'll go easy, medium, hard. So it's going to encourage you to work on something kind of that you really own, but then start to push yourself out of your comfort zone and work on harder progressions. So let's say you're trying to juggle three balls. You've worked on one and two ball progressions, and you're starting to get the full three ball pattern. You're getting a few catches, but then it falls apart. That's how it goes for most people. So the 555 will say, pick a number of catches that you really own. That's going to be your first five. So maybe you can make three catches and and stop and collect the three balls, and you can do that pretty consistently. Maybe not every single time, but pretty consistently, three throws, three catches, is within your reach. So your first five is trying to do that consecutively, five successful attempts in a row. So you go one, two, three, catch. If you get it, that's one. One, two, three, catch. That's two. One, two, up. If you drop, you have to start back over. So you have to do them all in a row without dropping. Okay, that's your first five. Once you've done five in a row without making mistakes, Then you go on to the second five. 
The second five, you no longer have to do them consecutively. You just have to accumulate five successful attempts. So now you'll choose a slightly harder progression. We could call it medium. So maybe your medium is five throws and catches. So you go one, two, three, four, five, catch, that's one. One, two, up. If you drop, you still have that first one banked. You don't have to start back over. So you try again, maybe you drop again, try again, you get it. Now you're at two, get it again, three, until you've made it to five. So your first five was consecutive. Your second five is accumulated. And now your third five, you're just going to go all out. You get five attempts to go for your max. So you're not trying to stop at three or stop at five. You just try to run the three ball pattern and keep going for as long as you can. But you're done after five attempts no matter what. So maybe you set a personal record, maybe you're super psyched, maybe it goes terribly and you can't even get three catches anymore because the pressure's on. Doesn't matter, you get five attempts and then you're done. So what I love about this strategy is it encourages you to work where you can really control it, but then it invites you out of your comfort zone and lets you really go all out, and then it gives you an out. So you don't end up banging your head against the wall and trying to chase after those numbers and getting frustrated. Your practice is over when you're done with that third five, and then you can come back the next day and try it again. So I've had clients apply this to all kinds of other movement practices. Don't feel like you have to want to juggle three balls in order to use it. See if you can find this kind of pyramid structure with an easy, medium, and hard version of whatever it is you're working on. Number two is very similar. It's an even more literal pyramid, and that is three, two, one. I've been using this in my climbing recently, and I'll explain how there's kind of an interesting nuance of how I'm going to try to progress it moving forward. So I could use the 555, but that's so many climbs for me that I would have to do them at such an easy level of difficulty that I wouldn't be in that zone I was talking about where I can make the most progress. So I needed those numbers to come down. 321 has been working really well for me. So I'll warm up first. I'm not counting my warm up climbs. But then once I start to get into a grade that is like somewhat challenging, but I know I can do, that's the bottom of my pyramid. That's the three. So I'll do three climbs at that grade, and then I'll bump it up to where I think is really like my medium, my most effective zone. And then I'll do two of those, or I'll at least try to do two of those. And then I go for it at one grade higher, which is really challenging for me still. And I'll likely be failing when I go for the one. And what I'll do is I'll try to check off all of those three, three easy, two medium, one hard but I get up to three strikes. So when I fail a climb, when I fall off or jump down, that's a strike, and I get to keep going and try for these three, two, one until I have three strikes. Now, what's been really cool is the grade that I determined was kind of my medium. I've seen it progress really quickly since I started using this. And now I've gotten to the point where I checked off one of my goals of doing all the climbs in the gym at that grade. So I've done all the mediums, so now I'm doing three at a relatively easy grade, two that I know I have been able to do before, and then one hard. So it's starting to verge on getting a little bit too accessible, because I want to still be kind of pushing my limits and making progress. So now I have to start to bump those grades up. 
But it would be a huge leap to say, okay, now I'll just move each grade up one. So the easy drops off, the medium I push to easy, the hard I push to medium, and then I add on a new grade at the top. But that's a really big leap. So I'm starting to massage the numbers a little bit instead. So taking some of the easy ones down to like maybe two or only one at that grade, bumping up the medium. So maybe up to three or four, and then keeping just the one hard because it's still really hard for me. So then I'll have this kind of different shape, like an hourglass or something. I don't know. It'll, <laughs> it'll change over time, but I'll have those three grades until the easy one becomes so easy that I can drop it off and add a new grade at the top. Hopefully that made sense. Um, if not, <laughs> the basic concept stays the same. I'm trying to incentivize working, especially in that like medium to hard range, but where I'm not just constantly experiencing failure and wishing I could do the climb. The third and final practice structure is something that I've used in my own handstand practice and I use with almost all of my handstand clients because it is fun and it works. And it's the distinction between structured sets and puzzles. So a structured set, if you're going to do a set of an exercise, you need to be confident that you'll do it successfully enough. So like when I go to do squats or push-ups, I don't worry about just like falling over and forgetting how to do the movement entirely or else it wouldn't be a very good exercise choice. So similarly, for a structured set of a handstand, I need to pick something that I know I can do at least most of the time. So if you're trying to learn a freestanding handstand, for instance, you wouldn't just kind of throw yourself into trying to kick up freestanding for, let's say, five uh, reps of a five-second hold, because it might take you 20 attempts to even get up at all for a couple of seconds. Right? If you don't have the confidence that you can succeed, it doesn't make much sense to make it a structured set. Whereas what you might do for a structured set is kick up to the wall and hold a certain shape against the wall. Or heel pulls, if that's familiar to you, that would be where you kick up to the wall and then pull yourself off of the wall, but from closer to your bullseye, so you can be more uh, likely to succeed. So maybe five reps or ten reps of a heel pull could be a structured set. Now, puzzles, on the other hand, could be totally unfamiliar. So I could say, hey, I'm going to spot your hips, try to tuck up to a handstand. So you keep your legs together, bend your knees and jump, and try to get to a handstand. You might succeed, you might fail, but if it's your first time, you'll probably be like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> or I might say, okay, here is a box. There's a wall behind you. Put your feet on the box, your hands on the floor, and then lift one leg off the box like you're in a handstand and see if you can press your second leg off of the box. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do it. It's a puzzle. See if you can press off the box. Now, the cool thing about puzzles is they can be any level of difficulty. You could give someone a super advanced puzzle, but you can also just give them a new puzzle that's totally within their wheelhouse, which is a great way to learn because they get to experience something new and grapple with it, but they also get to succeed. So the combination of the two is really where this ties in as a useful structured practice. Just like we did with the 555 and the 321, you have enough chance to succeed with structured sets, but you also can encourage yourself to push the boundaries of what you're able to do by taking on new puzzles. 
So again, we had 555, which I used for juggling, 321, which I'm using in climbing, structured sets and puzzles, which I'm using in handstands. Hopefully you're starting to notice that any of those three structures could be used for any of those three practices and anything else. If you have any ideas about how to make them work for you in your practice or any questions, I would love to hear from you. Like I said, we'll be taking a break from the podcast so they won't show up in the next episode, at least not in two weeks, but I would love to bounce around some ideas and see if we can grow these structures together. <laughs>